Just before we get into today's episode, I want to cast your ears over here to this promo for a few minutes and explain why you might be missing out if you're not using Adobe Express. You've heard of Adobe, right? The chaps that brought you Illustrator, InDesign, and who hasn't been asked, has this been photoshopped? Adobe is a household name. But have you heard of Adobe Express? I hadn't until the back end of last year, and then, well, I did. Now, I'm not saying that in a few years' time, people will be asking you, where were you when you discovered Adobe Express? But they may ask why you didn't start using it sooner. Using Adobe Express allows endless opportunities to scale up your creatives and improve your efficiency and productivity, as well as anything I've seen or used. Creating and editing all your creative output with more customizable templates than a Rubik's Cube has variations. Well, all right, maybe not 43 quadrillion, but you get the idea. And that is just your basics. It's interoperability between Photoshop and Illustrator. It's a bit of a game changer for workflow management, linking all your assets together. Make changes in one place and boom, all your assets are updated. If you don't want to miss out on any of this, use one of the links in the show notes that will take you to a free trial of Adobe Express. Or why not supersize it and trial the complete Adobe Creative Cloud package, which includes Adobe Express, as you'd imagine. Oh yeah, bonus point. If you're already a Creative Cloud user, Adobe Express is right there waiting for you. Now let's do it. Failure to follow this plan will result in a weaker brand in the long term, less sales in the short term, and a devaluation of your organization. Welcome to Construction Disrupted, the ultimate podcast for the construction industry, exploring the limitless possibilities at the dynamic intersection of construction and technology. Wow, that's a mouthful. Delve into the latest topics, news, events, expert insights, and marketing that are shaping the industry right now and in the future. We'll hopefully sprinkle a little bit of humor in there for you as well. I'm your guy, Peter Sumpton and I run a marketing consultancy focusing on those that build, create, and educate. If you're ready to embrace disruption and unlock the potential of the construction industry, keep on listening and be part of the conversation that's reshaping the future of construction. If you're not, uh, I really wouldn't bother. It's, it's probably not gonna be that interesting for you. Whether you're a construction technology professional, or just part of the construction industry in general. This podcast is your go-to resource for staying informed, inspired, and of course, connected. Speaking of connected, the best way you can help to support this podcast is by sharing it far and wide and leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Right then, let's go and build different and get disruptive. In today's fast-paced and interconnected business landscape, a well-coordinated marketing approach is essential for success in the UK construction industry. An integrated marketing plan brings various tactics to create a harmonious and impactful brand presence. But most startups, founders, SMEs, and even larger organizations 
can find it hard to rationalize the time it takes to create a successful marketing plan. That's crazy, I know. It's, it, it's true, no. It's, I'm telling you, it's true. By following three steps, you can create a basic marketing plan that will enable you to streamline your efforts, enhance brand visibility, increase sales activation, and create a compelling narrative that resonates with your target audience. Sounds a lot, I know. But if you're starting from scratch, developing this plan will help to achieve these fundamentals for business success, short and long term. Just a side note, this podcast and these three steps doesn't cover certain things. We're presuming a few things are currently in place. If any of these aren't yet sorted, it's best to get clarity prior to mapping out your next marketing plan. What are these elements? You need budget confirmation and to understand what's available. You need to have analysed any marketing plan output previously to this planning development stage. You need to understand your resources and capabilities that are available to you and the marketing department. And there's also a level of marketing competency to understand the basic principles and theory. But if you're struggling with any of that, reach out. I'll happily talk you through it. There's a link in the show notes that will send you to a bank of blank templates that will help you complete each stage that we're going to talk through with a gift that keeps on giving, right? So you probably want to know what these steps are. Would help, wouldn't it? Well, step one is diagnosis, understanding your current landscape. Step two is strategy. Crafting a unified vision. And step three is tactics. Executing your plan. Now, don't worry if this still feels like a lot of work. I'm going to talk you through it right now. So let's get to it. Step one, diagnosis. Understanding the landscape. Before embarking on any marketing endeavours, it's imperative to conduct a diagnosis of the current state of play. This consists of looking internally as well as externally, and we'll start with the latter. From an external perspective, it's important to research your market to gain insights into your industry, competitors, and target audiences' preferences, behaviours, and pain points. You have a target audience, right? Don't panic if not. Let's just focus on understanding the lay of the land for now by reviewing the market and the industry you cater for, the factors that impact both the market and you as a business, as well as identifying key competitors to gauge your current positioning. All sounds a little complex. Doesn't have to be. Just consider these seven areas of impact. Political, environmental, social, technological, economical, legal, and if you like, ethical. The abbreviation to that is PESTELE. Yes, you've still got your competitor analysis to do, how your brand fits within the external environment and certain elements like that. But you can't go wrong with Pestele as the first stage. And now it's time to look internally, conducting a simple audit of your existing marketing efforts that will help uncover the changes to your current marketing efforts required to fulfill any business or marketing objectives. Evaluating the performance of your website, social media platforms, email campaigns, and any other 
offline communication channels, as well as factors away from pr the promotional side of marketing, such as pricing, distribution, resources, budgeting, and the current range of product or services you offer will give you a well-rounded review of your situation internally, i.e. the things you can change and control. Continuing with step one, we summarize the findings in what is called a SWOT. Now, a SWOT can be pretty useless as it only provides you with a list of knowns with no real purpose or intent. It's great for a view, but not so good if you want to move forward. So we'll take a look at how you change a SWOT into a TOES analysis and make it really impactful. But first of all, to summarize the findings using a SWOT, the diagnosis phase sets the foundations for a strategic marketing plan tailored to your unique positioning within the UK construction market. Put simply, we are researching and assessing your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Lo and behold, that acronym SWOT. Simple to say, harder to execute. The idea behind this is to provide a detailed listing of what you are analyzing and what your analysis has uncovered within the four various categories we have just mentioned. The idea behind this is to provide a detailed listing of what your analysis has uncovered within four different categories, two that are internal, strengths and weaknesses, and two factors that are external, factors that can influence a business's decision-making where the business has little or no control over them, opportunities and threats. And now we're on to step two, strategy, crafting a unified vision. This is probably my favorite bit. Once you've gained an understanding of the current state of play, both internally and externally, it's time to put all of this, or at least some of it, to good use by developing what should be the most important step within this three-step process. It's the bit that most people miss, ignore, or damn right abuse. A clear and cohesive marketing strategy, not a plan, a strategy. To get there, we need to cover three additional steps. STP, segmentation, targeting, and positioning, strategic intent, and objective setting. So first of all, segmentation, targeting, and positioning. You now know in which direction you want your business to go, which is great. It gives you focus, clarity, and drive. But focus clarity and drive, that alone might not be enough. We need to dig a little deeper and get our targeting and positioning correct. But first, we need to segment. The tool we use for this is the Meaningful Actionable Grid. It's a tool used to identify and evaluate potential market segments based on the meaningfulness of the impact on consumer behavior and the actionable opportunities each presents for an organization. I first heard this on a different podcast in which Mark Ritson was talking about segmentation. So thanks, Mark. It's a simple analytical tool, really, that can add verified meaning to your market segmentation and subsequent targeting. Rather than sitting in a dark room and thinking who you'd really love to email you and say, hey, I'm that perfect client you've been aimlessly writing about and waiting for. I also like chocolate and ice cream. Can I buy your services? 
Yeah, doesn't really happen, does it? Because this part in the three-step process is so critical and the meaningful, actionable grid is so useful yet so underused. I think it's important to talk about the actual process of utilizing this meaningful, actionable grid of which you can follow along with the notes, with the grid, with a template for you to fill in using the link in the show notes. So first of all, we have a list of variables. Start by listing all possible variables that can be used to segment your marketplace. Every marketplace will be slightly different. This can be done through a team exercise that involves brainstorming and researching different variables, variables which might include demographics, psychographics, behaviors, needs, and other relevant factors. The list is practically endless. Now, the next part is where it starts to get interesting, uh, I think. Once these variables have been listed, rate each variable from 1 to 10 based on its impact on consumer behavior. Variables that have a direct effect on behavior should receive a high score, while those that do not have a meaningful impact should receive a low score. The next part is that you score each variable on a scale of 1 to 10 based on its availability and actionability. Ask questions like, do I have this data? And can I identify actual customers according to this variable? Variables that are easy to access and have actionable data should receive a higher score. Now you calculate the final total score. The variables with the highest score out of 100 are deemed of higher importance in the segmentation process. So to summarize this part of the meaningful actionable grid, you have variables, variables you feel will help segment the marketplace. You rate each variable out of 10 for its meaningfulness. How meaningful is this variable in segmenting your marketplace? You also rate each variable out of 10 for its actionability. Is the data available? Is there enough? Is this going to be actionable at the end of the day? Then you find the overall score, meaningfulness times actionability, which should give you a score out of 100. If you don't, you've done something slightly wrong and you can't go on to the next stage. But what is the next stage, I hear you ask? Well, we plot it on a grid. Again, it'll be super important that you download the blank template and the read-along instructions using the link in the show notes for this part. The variables can be plotted on this grid based on their meaningfulness and actionability. A two-by-two grid makes sure the appropriate variables are placed accordingly. Using the insights and data gathered from your previous research, calculations can be made as to how valuable each segment of the market could be to your organization. For example, the total number of prospects within a variable times the money spent by the specific type of variable equals the potential value of this segment. Might as well give it a memorable, but pretty pointless funky name. Once we've done this, we're on to targeting. It will be the analysis of these calculations that will hold the most relevance, as well as importance in determining the attractiveness of segments to target. Other segments can be evaluated based on their potential for growth, profitability, and or fit within the company strategy but always make sure each calculation is done fairly and without bias, not to influence any outcomes. 
it should now be obvious and easy to distinguish the groups of potential clients that are to become target markets, the markets that you will be able to focus on to maximize results. So on to positioning, the final stage of STP. Critical for establishing an organization within a marketplace, especially where competition is fierce. Defining a position means looking at reviewing and executing one of the following. Number one, defining the current position. Number two, moving into a new, more competitive position. Or number three, attacking a crowded position. Each one has its own risks and rewards. And with the previous research and analysis you've done, you need to be confident in the position you are applying here. Once again, you can either be analytical and base your position on research and stats, or you can use your initiative a little. Like a Warby's half and half loaf, I find it's always a good idea to have the best of both. Not too analytical, nor reliant on intuition alone. Whatever you decide to use, positioning maps, as in maps creating more than one, are your friend here. This means using an X and a Y axis, with each axis having defined polarizing characteristics. These characteristics should be meaningful to your target market. For example, x-axis equals hardware required, polarizing opposites, nil and comprehensive. y-axis, software compatibility or integration, polarizing opposites, high and low. Once you have these maps structured, placing both your own organization and its competition within each map, this will provide you with a visual representation of where you fit within the market and which positioning will be most effective for you. Now let's bring back your SWOT. <clears throat> Great. Now you've brought this back to your attention, it's time to make it work for you by enhancing your findings into actionable insights. I'm talking about the TOWS, T-O-W-S. The TOWS is your secret weapon here. This is where you start to shape the future of your business based on valid research and reliable data. Remember, most marketers will conduct a SWOT, but do nothing with it. Don't be one of those marketers. Instead, take these steps to utilize the TOWS. Take a strength or a weakness and match it with an appropriate opportunity or threat allowing you to create a number of different strategic directions. So you may take a strength and an opportunity as they complement each other, i.e. the strength will help maximize the opportunity. You don't have to do this for all the statements within your SWOT, nor does it have to be in any particular order. If you want to learn more about what that looks like, download the PDF, the links in the show notes. But for those that can't be bothered downloading it. Let's look at an example, shall we? Okay, here's your strength. Distribution of your product locally is exceptional. 99% deliveries are on time. Opportunity. Some wider geographical locations are pockets where your product and services are seen as desirable. I know this seems a bit obvious, but the strategy there is to implement trials in distributing to these new locations with the plan to roll out a wider delivery network. See how simple that is. 
But until you map it out and understand where your strength and opportunity lies, you might be missing a trick. Now we've done that, we need to set a strategic direction correctly using SFA, suitability, feasibility, and acceptability. By now, you should have a list of potential options that you've identified as strategic directions from your toes analysis. It's time to decide which of these should be taken forward, which of these is the most appropriate for your business, and which is the most likely to succeed. By putting some method and analysis behind this, we can work out analytically which is the best fit to take forward. We do this by using the SFA. We score each one of these out of five, and the total gives a final number, highest score wins. Suitability. How suitable is the direction to what we are trying to achieve? Feasibility. How feasible is the implementation of this direction? Acceptability. How acceptable to the rest of the business is this direction? By scoring each of the above, for example, marking it out a five, you will end up with a total score for each direction. Remember, highest score wins. The final part of strategic intent is objective setting. You'll need to set some objectives. Not only that, but they need to be good, smart objectives. An objective should cover all the elements of the SMART acronym, specific, measurable, agreed upon, realistic, and timed. Meaning a sentence, or maybe two, can cover all the elements, not a sentence to explain each one of those elements. Some rules of thumb here are be specific about your goal, be detailed about how you'll measure success, give it a number, and work out if it's achievable. Don't go mad. Those are the things where people usually trip up when setting an objective. A note here to not get too hung up about each part of the SMART model, adding an end date, a number to aim for, and not making it impossible. In doing that, you've pretty much nailed it. Perhaps it should be Edney instead. Uh, I don't know, something like that. A poor example of an objective could be increased turnover by £1 million. A re good example is achieve at least 95% excellent customer service rating each month by those visiting all our physical merchant stores by the end of the year. We're on to the final step now, step three, tactics. Actually executing your plan with a solid strategy in place. See, step two, if you skipped it, you cheeky little monkey. It's time to put actions to your marketing plan through carefully chosen tactics. Your tactics will vary based on your objectives, target audience, available resources, including budget, and strategic intent. Remember, the devil is in the detail here. One way to do this is to utilize the four Ps and a bit more. The best way to document your tactics is by using the tried and trusted four Ps model. A lot of marketers chat around seven Ps, which includes physical evidence, people, and process. But for simplicity, we're just discussing the traditional four here. Oh, and we've added a bit about branding and a bit about customer journey, just for completeness. So what are these four Ps? Quite simply put, product, price, place, and promotion. Firstly, understanding where your product fits within the market is key. 
This will identify any gaps within the portfolio that you may need to address with new product developments in the future, and hopefully what a roadmap looks like for these new products. A fundamental error is to not consider or indeed ask your customer base what products or updates they require. When I say products, I actually mean products and or services, but I'm kind of being lazy there, so we'll just stick to classing both as products. It could be that you're planning to update a popular product that is declining in sales, or release complementary products to coexist with a current range, plug in the gaps if you will. Regardless, if you are not focused on these factors, you may find yourself scratching around, changing your freshly made plan and making a whole host more work for yourself and quite quickly as well. This should already be set and in place to assist in the successful execution of this marketing plan, but you still need to factor this into your mix. So that's product, but what about price? Pricing and expectations within the market are critical as a misstep here can mean being seen as too cheap with the perceived quality of the product misunderstood or too expensive and the benefits not seen to outweigh the price tag. For these and multiple other reasons, such as pricing structure, bundling, skimming, cost plus, high-low, premium, or otherwise, marketing needs to be part of the pricing conversation. Pricing goes hand-in-hand hand with the product and product development. With a marketing plan honing in on different tactical requirements for potentially varied price points for multiple different target markets. Think good, better, best within a product portfolio to entry-level products with an upsell. Think software with additional bundles. This should already be set and in place to assist in the successful execution of this marketing plan, but you still need to factor it into your mix. Number three is place or distribution. In an industry such as construction, the supply chain and distribution networks are critical to the whole industry, not just certain stages within it. For this plan, however, consideration must be given to your customers, wherever they are within this complexity, and tailor your marketing plan to their needs. For example, preferences to purchase, preferred delivery options, expectations of this service, and after sales and the ease of communication. They are absolutely critical when we are talking about placement or distribution. And finally, promotion. This is the icing on the cake. Or should I say the cherry on the cake? The bit that stands out gets noticed and the execution is critical to your whole plan. What I'm trying to say here is that you don't get to touch this until the rest of your cake is mixed and baked. What I'm trying to say is don't touch the promotional until your diagnosis, your strategy, and the other elements of your tactical mix have been completed. Within the promotional element of your plan, you need to consider the following. Don't touch it yet. Do the other steps first. Communication channels, type of creative, the key message you want to get out there, the tone of this message, its consistency and being on brand, a call to action, and that particular creative's main purpose. Remember, the key to successful execution is consistency and alignment across all tactics. Ensure that your messaging, branding, and communication style remain cohesive across all touch points and that it complements your product or services pricing. The final two parts of tactics are away from any P's. The first one is the customer journey. 
regardless of what you are buying, you will always follow a certain set of stages. And this means that your potential customers will also follow a certain set of stages. If you can master each one and make it easy to transition from one stage to the next, reduce that friction, then you make it much easier for people to find you and want to do business with you. I categorize these into explore, consider, cognition, convert, and connect. When we start to map out our customer journey, it can be complex and confusing as there are so many different ways of communicating with our audience. A study conducted by Smart Insights in 2017 discovered over 120 forms of digital communications alone. Mapping out each customer journey is impossible. So let's not do that. Let's start with the general steps that consumers will go through from the first point of contact to the point of purchase or conversion and thereafter. So to give this some context, let's have a look at each step. The first one is explore. In 2011, Google classed this as ZMOT, zero moment of truth. You need to be part of this moment. Searches and opinions form before any decisions have been made. You want to be the top search for the first name on the solution to solve my problem list for all your clients. The second stage is consider. Although consumer opinion is developed within the explore stage, people will still look for alternatives before and after an initial search. Make sure you are still adding value at this stage before people move on to cognition. People always look for validity in their choices. And even through decisions that are being made and actively made, it is important to keep providing reassurance, always building no like, and trust factors. Once that's been done, consumers usually move on to the conversion stage. Consider the fact that this may not be monetary yet. At this point of conversion, it is still easy, especially online, to abandon this action. Reducing friction, adding openness and transparency will help here. And finally, connection. Loyalty can be difficult to achieve, so it is vital that you keep building a relationship with your newly acquired customers. And in a nutshell, that is the customer journey we all go on. And the final step in tactics and the final step of this three-step process is brand. As most construction technology companies are founded as startups, it can be difficult to justify spending on brand building, similar to promotional spending. But the brand warrants its own section due to its ability to deliver results long-term. The benefits of building a brand are multiple. Higher pricing, better visibility, shorter sales cycles, and a better investor opportunity if you are a startup. They can all be attributed to creating a well-known brand. While the promotional element here is focused on the short-term sales activation, the brand is very much long-term. Both are important within the world of construction from the startup phase, where generating income and investment can be critical, to being well-established within a market which will only occur by maintaining high levels of brand authority. To do this, you must make sure you create and stick by your brand guidelines. To create these, you must include the following attributes, which must be salient within all your assets. Failure to do this will result in a weaker brand 
in the long term. Brand overview, logo and logo variations, brand colors, typography, brand voice, imagery, photography, video, animation, salient assets and working examples. And I'll finish this episode by saying failure to follow this plan will result in a weaker brand in the long term, less sales in the short term, and a devaluation of your organization. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and giving this a listen. If you want to chat further about anything you've heard on today's episode, have a topic or technology you'd like me to cover, or simply want to say, hiya, you'll find me on LinkedIn or through the emails, peter at builddifferent.marketing. Stay disruptive.